Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. You're going to love this episode. My guest today talks about core reluctance and what we need to overcome, how we need to overcome the fear of picking up the phone. The telephone is a really important tool, but we seem to be, and including myself in this, there's a fear of the phone. And so often I know salespeople will send lots and lots of emails, but they won't pick up the phone to their particular customer. And so my guest today talks about really setting yourself a challenge or activities that you at least speak to three people a day, every day. My guest also gives lots and lots of tried and tested strategies. So you're going to get lots of value out of this. So listen up for, for the next episode. My next guest is the Sales Call Reluctance Coach. She helps salespeople get their ask in gear. I love that. So welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Connie Kandinsky. So welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Connie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's wonderful to get you on. I absolutely love what you talk about, call reluctance. And we had a brief discussion um, before we press record. So I'm really eager to get into this with you. But first, perhaps share how call reluctance in light of the pandemic, in light of be only being able to get hold of a lot of our customers online, because we're all in the virtual space, how that may have changed some of the habits around calling? Well, the pandemic has brought an epidemic of call reluctance. So call reluctance is that emotional hesitation to proactively prospect and promote. And oftentimes the call reluctance things, we're just talking about the telephone we are talking about all the ways that salespeople ethically and professionally initiate contact with their potential buyer. So um, what do you mean about the pandemic? There's been a reluctance that, you know, that's just been exacerbated. Why may that be? Well, because Salespeople had a lot of different creative ways to initiate contact with potential buyers. They had their trade shows, they had their conferences, they were able to go out and network and have speaking engagements in order to draw an audience and different things. And all that was taken away. And so one of the only ways was to be able to pick up the phone and make that call. So that's what I meant by that. So have more, have people done that more often during the pandemic 
or have they um, done it less? Thinking that, well, actually, um, my cu customer, my buyer is actually working from home. I might maybe interrupting them. Has that created more fear in people picking up the phone or has it been the reverse? Well, there are a lot of different areas that this has affected and people were not used to using the phone because they were able to generate their leads in other areas. And when all that was taken away, what's left? An email, a phone, uh, hoping that somebody from LinkedIn will engage with them in a conversation. And so with that said, think about prospecting, Janice. Prospecting, we are proactively making unsolicited outreaches. And so that's why it has more challenging because somebody could get an exhibit booth or something like that and talk to their potential buyer as they attend a show, a conference or something like that. When that was taken away, salespeople, they still need to sell. So what are they going to do in order to get into a conversation with their potential buyer? So the telephone can be in a very effective way to initiate contact. But it's a, I, I see it's a very effective way to initiate content, but how do you overcome the fact that you're interrupting? It's unsolicited. Well, that's, I mean, surely you, creates a lot of fear. Well, but that's why I'm here to help people overcome that fear because they're, it, it is making an unsolicited call I, and we just have to reconcile to the fact, what are my choices here? How am I going to professionally and ethically initiate contact and get the prospect's attention? And so there are ways, another way is leveraging relationships. So you still have to initiate contact with the person that you want to leverage your relationship. So if you know somebody in an organization that can get you in the door, so I'm taking it as wider, right? In, in making those contacts in order to develop strategic alliances that you still have to initiate contact and introduce yourself in order to move to a deeper conversation. Okay, so there is social selling, there is social media, and uh, there are ways, you know, I talk a lot about social selling and I'm a real advocate for that, um, rather than cold calling. So there are ways of warming up the call so that you, it's not unsolicited, it's almost expected, it's invited. So, that's what I often promote, but you're telling me, I believe, that there are other ways to um, create unsolicited calls that has positive benefits. Is that the case? Oh, absolutely. So let's just take a more of a sophisticated sale. So I don't cold call. I don't advocate cold calling. You, if you really know who your prospect is and you know that they buy your services from somebody is where you can make a call. And if as long as you have a value proposition that gets their attention, 
then absolutely. So I believe the difference between marketing and selling, marketing generates the lead and the selling is converting that lead. And we even have salespeople who get those leads and they don't follow up on the conversation or on the call. So the fear of calling somebody and interrupting their day well, you have a value and you really know you are calling into your direct market, then you just need to overcome that fear. And that's how I really coach people in getting their head around that. Okay. All right. So just before we get into the mindset and getting your head around and overcoming the fear, I just want to... um, understand the the definition of cold call because if it's unsolicited they're not expecting you to call them even if they have purchased a product a similar product from a from a competitor so then you know they had a need but you don't know if they've got a need now because you don't necessarily have a relationship with them to know the immediacy, but you're calling them because you have some, you've done some research and you have some background, but you're actually not calling them because they have an immediacy. You're calling them because you have a need to sell rather than them having a need to buy at that time. Yes, I agree. And when think about prospecting is identifying potential buyers. So when you really look at it, I mean, I work with a company which is in aerospace, right? And they don't know who XYZ is. Well, for crying out loud, they have to have the sales enablement to figure out that. And so they have a very finite number of buyers. And so absolutely, if somebody has a budget, Janice, that can draw in the social selling, draw in all those leads, more power to them because they've warmed them up. However, if you have a finite market and you have, or if you have a, a real amazing market is just a really good way to integrate and make that initial phone call. And then you can always follow up with an email. You can always follow up with a LinkedIn potential connection, et cetera. The goal here is how are you going to initiate contact and get the attention of the buyer? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get into that then. How are you going to initiate contact and get the attention of the buyer? So that you're asking me that? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so the first thing is, is that you have to have a good value proposition and also you have to have credibility. So when you think about making a proactive call, that you really have to find out if they have a shared interest in what you are promoting and selling. And so there's got to be a shared interest. And so oftentimes the script that I use is have a good value proposition. And you know what? I'm curious, how much focus and attention do you put on making sure that you keep a pipeline of ideal prospects? 
So how much focus and attention do you put on that? And people will say, oh, I've got it covered, et cetera. I have 20 appointments a week. Okay, so they're not interested. However, that goal is to get them into conversation and find out, do they really care? And are they committed if they do care? And if they're not getting in front of enough people, do they really have a commitment? And to find out if the prospect's committed to taking care of that particular focus and on whatever the product or service is. Okay, so this is very much from the seller's point of view. You're, you're speaking to other salespeople about how committed they are to find out whether the prospect is, is interested and has immediacy. Is that correct? Well, I mean, that's for me, right? I gave yeah. you an example. However, I work with reverse mortgage people that, boy, oh boy, they have to talk to people, right? And so they create alliances with real estate agents, alliance with other mortgage people that may not provide reverse mortgages with financial advisors. So they're making contact with people who already have a database, and so asking and finding out how interested they are and how open they are. So there are so many different options and opportunities for people to reach out and contact people who can help them get that ideal, get in front of their ideal prospect. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned about having, it's important to have a really strong value proposition. That is, I think, your starting point. But surely the value proposition is based upon, how strong it is, is based upon the customer's need, the customer's specific needs. So if you haven't, if you don't necessarily have a warm prospect, um, and you're wanting to warm them up, you, you need to get on the phone to speak to them, to assess those things. Where does the value proposition come in if that was your, your starting point? Well, so you always have to introduce yourself. So the value proposition comes right out front and center after you identify who you are and your credibility, where you can say, I work with several companies similar to yours in XYZ, right? And the goal is to find out if it's the right time for them to have a conversation. And it might take more than one contact most of the time. And you already alluded to that at the very front that you're not keen on answering your phone, right? Because you're not sure whether X, Y, Z. And so oftentimes you may leave a, leave a message and then, like I say, leave an email, connect with them via via LinkedIn. So you have to be very professional, ethical, and, and courteous as you make your inroads if it is a call that you really do not know the individual. However, I'm really stressing, we don't just throw out there and prospect to anybody. So there is so much information on the web. The more sophisticated buyers, you can go to the SEC, you can read their, their SWOT analysis on their website, find out what their problems are, find out how you can possibly solve them, and that's sales enablement. So it just depends on the buy, on this, on the seller, right? What's your product? What's your who's your prospect? 
So it's getting really more sophisticated. It's not just picking up a phone book or what the people used to do. You really pay attention to who your prospect is and what their needs are or potential needs. You, um, I know one of your specialist areas is around the fear, helping people pass the fear. So let's talk a little bit about that. How do you actually help people to get over their, their fear of picking up the phone? Well, we always start out with an assessment to find out, do they really want to do this? Because oftentimes people feel, and they're not prospecting because they think that they have this fear. And in reality, they don't have the energy or the personal goals to sustain it. So doing a very sophisticated, comprehensive assessment to find out what really is it here. And oftentimes they can see it and they once they see it. So over-preparing is one of the types of call reluctance where they just overanalyze and, and no script is good enough for them and they just churn, churn, churn. And so then when you really look at it, Janice, here's a salesperson and here is their fear of business development, right? So business development, we'll just name it business development. What I coach too is the relationship between the salesperson and business development. And I coach to the relationship because it's the, the relationship is a third entity involved in this call reluctance, this big thing here. And so oftentimes I have them talking to business development and saying, business development, you scare the hell out of me. And then I have business development respond back. Well, you ignore me. And then I start coaching and having them coach about their relationship so that they can get in a more harmonious way in the relationship that they have with business development, because it really is its mindset and its curiosity and its adventure. And my big thing is who's set in the mind? Who's set in the mind when somebody reaches to make a call in some way and they hesitate? Who is setting the mind? Is it that salesperson that absolutely believes in their product? They know their value. So everybody kind of through coaching, they kind of shuffle it out and get, get more courageous as they go. It's interesting you say that um, it's about adventure. So what do you explain a bit more about that? Well, is when you really look at the, a good salesperson, they have one core quality is that they enjoy convincing somebody to do something. They get juice out of it. They get an emotional like, oh, how fun. And so that is one of the core elements of a good salesperson because they just like that kind of thing. And they find it challenging. And also they really believe in what they do. So the adventure of curiosity and picking up the phone and who can I call or see today who I can add value to them, right? So they come at it from more of that than, oh my gosh, I need to make three or four or five, six appointments this week. 
So I really help and coach people to empower themselves around initiating contact, introducing themselves, because most sales trainers, they start with, oh, you're in front of an ideal prospect. And that is important to have good sales training there. That's number four in a basic sales model. The conversation, once you're in front of a prospect, people say, oh, I am so good. I have an 80% close rate once I'm in front of an, a qualified prospect. Well, guess what? The hard work is on the front end. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting what you say about mindset and almost making it into not a game in a frivolous way, but, you know, something that, that's fun and, and, and challenging. And I, I remember in various other interviews that I've had in that, um, and it's something I very much believe in, in not being attached to the result. You're, you know, you focus on the activity, um, you focus on doing the best you can in any given situation, but actually not being so embedded to, to the result, because obviously there are customers, there's buyers, there's, there are stakeholders and influencers, a whole host of people, and you can only do so much in a, in a given situation, which is your best, but you can be completely crushed if the result doesn't go your way, and it may be something that's not within your control. Um, so I don't know if you can um, speak to that in how people may attach themselves to the results. Is that something that you, you talk about? Oh, absolutely. Because, and it's easier said than done to say, you know, go out there, enjoy the process and detach from the outcome. It takes emotional intelligence and positive intelligence to do that. And it's entirely possible. And also a lot of prospects. So if we only have one in the hopper and we're holding on to it. So the goal is to have a lot of different prospects within the, the cycle, right? And to be able to do that. And sales is not an easy job. That's why salespeople are making such good money that are so successful. And it, it's the 80-20 rule, really, when you look at it. And somebody from the UK told me recently, he said, it's really 83 and 17, that 17% 17 of the salespeople produce 83% of the business. And so it really is, it's, it's when people can get emotionally comfortable with business development and have a lot of different channels, a lead generation channels and develop those channels and every salesperson needs at least three that were that it there it's working for them so that they can kind of get some traction there and it went and it's possible and they just have to really take it seriously and also hold it lightly what you were just saying so yes um you've just mentioned that uh, you need at least three channels talk to me a bit more about that well, three different lead channels. So for instance, I have a strategic alliance that promotes my service and we do a trade. I, I pay him a certain amount and he features me on a webinar and he has 985 financial advisors who I sell to and who are my clients. And so he's one of my lead generation channels. 
I write articles for different organizations. Those are my lead generation channels. I have my own database with uh, several thousand people who have opted in. And so always having those, and I'm a preferred vendor for a particular association. And, you know, I've been in business 25 years. So savvy salespeople are always looking, just like you, Janice, your podcast is part of your lead generation channel, right? That's where you're getting your visibility. Yes. And then I listened to your podcast with Bern Tillman. So she's got her lead generation channels of how people are coming to her. And that's the goal for people to ultimately get that. So they don't have to work so hard in, in their prospecting day after day after day. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes savvy. And it takes coaching. Yeah. Talking about savvy, um, I'm interested in hearing your perspective on why women are exceptional salespeople. <laughs> I love it because you know what? We give a darn. Now, I'm not saying men don't. I'm just saying that women are just, they're more empathetic and empathy is a big thing. Now, I really, I don't know if I, I really am keen on that because I know a lot of exceptionally good women salespeople and men. And I think that women is more natural for them to have the empathy and our prospects, they buy emotionally, justify logically. And just having that little bit of empathy around what is going on, I think that that can be a key as far as, and then there are a lot of women and men that they're people pleasers and they want the approval of the prospect and they, they don't ask relevant questions that's going to have that client feel a little bit of tension. So that's one thing too, that I think that, that helps that women can go sideways on. Sometimes they're too nice to close the deal. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so um, what tried and tested strategy would you offer listeners to enable them to scale their sales, Connie? So the first thing is sit down with a blank sheet of paper and write freehand, what is it that you really care about? What do you care about? The micro and the macro. Because when you can emotionally connect to what you care about, if you care about financial security, you care about your family, you care about your prospects, you care about serving others, get it deep within you. Because when we do that, we come across so much different because, it, and we have to embody that. So that's number one. And then a basic sales model is get a niche, get a niche of people that you really know that, that you serve and you have the credibility, et cetera. And then that can help you and always, always stay visible in your market. What is it that is keeping you visible in your particular local market? If you have a global market, what is it you're doing? And then also confront your call reluctance. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. Living with it needlessly is. So be able to confront it because Janice, you've intimated this because when we're making prospecting calls, there's uncertainty, 
there's risk, there's emotional exposure. And you just start thinking, you know what, I am going to make three outreach calls a day, three outreach calls a day, I'm going to start talking about my business, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So just really expanding it. And the minute you catch yourself in call reluctance, take care of it, because it doesn't get better. And it can threaten your career. Well, I think you've given us about 10 tried and tested strategies. So thank you for that. <laughs> We've got a lot of value out of you. Thank you, Connie. Um, so Connie, who is your hero or shero? Oh, who is my hero or shero? Anybody who believes in themselves and loves themselves, because if they love themselves, they'll love other people. So somebody who's worked really hard on themselves and that that those are the people that they just are integrated. They know who they are. They know their value and they're unstoppable and they're kind to other people. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Lovely. It's a great way to, to end because it's a really food for thought, really. We're all asking ourselves um, this question, how kind we are and how how uh, confident we are. Can we be a, a little bit more? So that's really interesting. This has been an absolute pleasure. I've absolutely loved talking um, to you, Connie. So thank you for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast. Well, thank you, Janice. Thank you. Actually, Connie, I've missed out about how can listeners get hold of you. So I'm going to do that and, and then finish again. We'll cut this bit out. Okay? okay. So Connie, how can listeners get hold of you? The best place is on LinkedIn. And then you can always pick up the phone and call me. My contact information, my phone numbers on LinkedIn, my emails on LinkedIn. So you want to talk to me? you'll be able to get, get a hold of me. And I will, I always answer my phone. If I am available and I will pick up the phone and prospects call me. <laughs> and so if people that say, oh, I don't want to pick up the phone, well, crying out loud, what if a prospect is calling you? What if an ideal prospect is calling you? And you know what? Now, if you're not available, they'll go on to the next person on the SEO. Mm -hmm. So I really challenge people who avoid their phone. You may be missing some extremely important prospecting calls that have moved on. Great advice from you. Thank you, Connie. Thank you for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast. Thank you, Janice. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.